Section 5 of True Bear Stories This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rick Vina True Bear Stories by Joaquin Miller Section 5 A Fat Little Editor and Three Little Browns Mount Sinai, heart of the Sierras, this place is one mile east and a little less than one mile perpendicular from the hot, dusty, and dismal little railroad town down on the rocky banks of the foaming and tumbling Sacramento River. Some of the old miners are down there still, still working on the desolate old rocky bars with rockers. They have been there, some of them, for more than thirty years. A few of them have little orchards or vineyards on the steep overhanging hills, but there is no home life, no white women to speak of as yet. The battered and gray old miners are poor, lonely, and discouraged, but they are honest, stout-hearted still, and of a much higher type than those that hang about the towns. It is hot down on the river, too hot almost, to tell the truth. Even here under Mount Shasta, in her sheets of eternal snow, the mercury is at par. This Mount Sinai is not a town. It is a great spring of cold water that leaps from the high rocky front of a mountain which we have located as a summer home in the Sierras, myself, and a few other scribes of California. This is the great bare land. One of our party, a simple-hearted and honest city editor, who was admitted into our little mountain colony because of his boundless good nature and native goodness, had never seen a bear before he came here. City editors do not, as a rule, ever know much about bears. This little city editor is bald-headed, bow-legged, plain to a degree, and maybe that is why he is so good. Give me fat men, said Caesar. But give me plain men for good men any time. Pretty women are to be preferred, but pretty men? Bah! I must get on with the bear, however, and make a long story a short story. We found our fat, bent-legged editor from the city fairly broiling in the little railroad town, away down at the bottom of the hill in the yellow golden fields of the Sacramento. And he was so limp and so lazy that we had to lay hold of him and get him out of the heat and up into the heart of the Sierras by main force. Only one hour of climbing, and we got up to where the little mountain streams come tumbling out of snow banks on every side. The Sacramento, away down below and almost under us, from here looks dwindled to a brawling brook, a foamy white thread twisting about the boulders as big as meeting houses plunging forward, white with fear, as if glad to get away, as if there was a bear back there where it came from. We did not register, no indeed, 
this place here on square creek among the clouds where the water bursts in a torrent from the living rock we have named mount sinai we own the whole place for one mile square the tall pine trees the lovely pine wood houses all all we proposed to hunt and fish for food but we had some bread some bacon lots of coffee and sugar and so whipping out our hooks and lines we set off with the editor up a little mountain brook and in less than an hour were far up among the fields of eternal snow and finally loaded with trout what a bed of pine quills what long and delicious cones for a campfire some of those sugar pine cones are as long as your arm one of them alone will make a lofty pyramid of flame and illuminate the scene for half a mile about i threw myself on my back and kicked up my heels i kicked care square in the face oh what freedom how we would rest after dinner here of course we could not all rest or sleep at the same time one of us would have to keep a pine cone burning all the time bears are not very numerous out here but the california lion is both numerous and large here the wildcat too is no friend to the tourist but we were not tourists the land was and is ours we would and all could defend our own the sun was going down glorious the shades of night were coming up out of the gorges below and audaciously pursuing the dying sun not a sound not a sign of man or of beast we were scattered all up and down the hill crash something came tearing down the creek through the brush the fat and simple-hearted editor who had been dressing the homeopathic dose of trout which inexperience had marked as his own sprang up from the bank of the tumbling little stream above us and stood at his full height his stout little knees for the first time smote together i was a good way below him on the steep hillside a brother editor was slicing bacon on a piece of reversed pine bark close by fall down i cried fall flat down on your face it was a small she-bear and she was very thin and very hungry with cubs at her heels and she wanted that fat little city editor's fish i know it would take volumes to convince you that i really meant for the bear to pass by him and come after me and my friend with both fish and bacon and so with half a line i assert this truth and pass on nor was i in any peril in appropriating the little brown bear to myself any man who knows what he is about is as safe with a bear on a steep hillside as is the best bullfighter in any arena no bear can keep his footing on a steep hillside much less fight and whenever an indian is in peril he always takes downhill till he comes to a steep plain and then lets the bear almost overtake him when he suddenly steps aside and either knifes the bear to the heart or lets the open-mouthed beast go on down the hill heels overhead 
the fat editor turned his face toward me and it was pale what lie down and be eaten up while you lie there and kick up your heels and enjoy yourself never we will die together he shouted he started for me as fast as his short legs would allow the bear struck at him with her long rattling claws he landed far below me and when he got up he hardly knew where he was or what he was his clothes were in shreds the back and bottom parts of them the bear caught at his trout and was gone in an instant back with her two little cubs and a moment later the little family had dined and was away over the hill she was a cinnamon bear not much bigger than a big yellow dog and almost as lean and mean and hungry as any wolf could possibly be we helped our inexperienced little friend slowly down to camp forgetting all about the bacon and the fish till we came to the little board house where we had coffee of course the editor could not go to the table now he leaned or rather sat against a pine drank copious cups of coffee and watched the stars while i heaped up great piles of leaves and built a big fire and so night rolled by in all her starry splendor as the men slept soundly all about beneath the lordly pines but alas for the fat little editor he did not like the scenery and he would not stay we saw him to the station on his way back to his little sanctum he said he was satisfied he had seen the bar his last words were as he pulled himself close together in a modest corner in the car and smiled feebly say boys you won't let it get in the papers will you treeing a bear away back in the fifties bears were as numerous on the banks of the willamette river in oregon as are hogs in the hickory woods of kentucky in nut time and that is saying that bears were mighty plenty in oregon about forty years ago you see after the missionaries established their great cattle ranches in oregon and gathered the indians from the wilderness and set them to work and fed them on beef and bread the bears had it all their own way till they literally overran the land and this gave a great chance for sport to the sons of missionaries and the sons of new settlers where rolls the oregon and it was not perilous sport either for the grizzly was rarely encountered here his home was further to the south neither was the large and clumsy cinnamon bear abundant on the banks of the beautiful willamette in those dear old days when you might ride from sun to sun belly deep in wild flowers and never see a house but the small black bear as indicated before was on deck in great force at all times and in nearly all places it was the custom in those days for boys to take this bear with the lasso usually on horseback we would ride along close to the dense woods that grew by the river bank and getting between him and his base of retreat would 
as soon as we sighted a bear feeding out in the open plain, swing our lassos and charge him with whoop and yell. His habit of rearing up and standing erect and looking about to see what was the matter made him an easy prey to the lasso. And then the fun of taking him home through the long, strong grass. As a rule, he did not show fight when once in the toils of the lasso, but in a few hours, making the best of the situation like a little philosopher, he would lead along like a dog. There were, of course, exceptions to this exemplary conduct. On one occasion, particularly, Ed Parrish, the son of a celebrated missionary, came near losing his life by counting too confidently on the docility of a bear which he had taken with a lasso and was leading home. His bear suddenly stopped, stood up, and began to haul in the rope, hand over hand, just like a sailor, and as the other end of the rope was fastened tightly to the big Spanish pommel of the saddle, why, of course, the distance between the bear and the horse soon grew perilously short, and Ed Parrish slid from his horse's back and took to the brush, leaving horse and bear to fight it out as best they could. When he came back, with some boys to help him, the horse was dead, and the bear was gone, having cut the rope with his teeth. After having lost his horse in this way, poor little Ed Parrish had to do his hunting on foot, and, as my people were immigrants and very poor, why we, that is my brother and I, were on foot also. This kept us three boys together a great deal, and many a peculiar adventure we had in those dear days, when all the world was young. Ed Parrish was nearly always the hero of our achievements, for he was a bold, enterprising fellow who feared nothing at all. In fact, he finally lost his life from his very great love of adventure. But this is too sad to tell now, and we must be content with a story about how he treed a bear for the present. We three boys had gone bear hunting up a wooded canyon near his father's ranch late one warm summer afternoon. Ed had a gun, but as I said before, my people were very poor, so neither brother nor I as yet had any other arms or implements than the inseparable lasso. Ed, who was always the captain in such cases, chose the center of the dense, deep canyon for himself, and putting my brother on the hillside to his right, and myself on the hillside to his left, ordered a simultaneous forward march. After a time we heard him shoot, then we heard him shout, then there was a long silence. Then suddenly, high and wild, his voice rang out through the treetops, down in the deep canyon. Come down, come quick, I've treed a bear. Come and help me catch him, come quick. Oh, Moses, come quick, and, and, and catch him. My brother came tearing down the steep hill on his side of the canyon as I descended from my side. We got down about the same time, 
but the trees in their dense foliage together with the compact underbrush concealed everything we could see neither bear nor boy this oregon is a damp country warm and wet nearly always moist and humid and so the trees are covered with moss long gray sweeping moss swings from the broad drooping boughs of fir and pine and cedar and nearly every bit of sunlight is shut out in these canyons from one year's end to the other and it rains here nearly half of the year and then these densely wooded canyons are as dark as caverns i know of nothing so grandly gloomy as these dense oregon woods in this long rainy season i laid my ear to the ground after i got a glimpse of my brother on the other side of the canyon but could hear nothing at all but the beating of my heart suddenly there was a wild yell away up in the dense boughs of a big mossy maple tree that leaned over toward my side of the canyon i looked and looked with eagerness but could see nothing whatever then again came the yell from the top of the big leaning maple then there was a moment of silence and then the cry oh moses why don't you come i say and help me catch him by this time i could see the leaves rustling and i could see the boy rustling too and just behind him was a bear he had treed the bear sure enough my eyes gradually grew accustomed to the gloom and density and i now saw the red mouth of the bear amid the green foliage high overhead the bear had already pulled off one of ed's boots and was about making a bootjack of his big red mouth for the other why don't you come on i say and help me catch him he kicked at the bear and at the same time hitched himself a little further along up the leaning trunk and in doing so kicked his remaining boot into the bear's mouth oh moses moses why don't you come i've got a bear i tell you where is it ed shouted my brother on the other side but ed did not tell him for he had not yet got his foot from the bear's mouth and was now too busy to do anything else but yell and cry oh moses then my brother and i shouted out to ed at the same time this gave him great courage he said something like confound you to the bear and getting his foot loose without losing the boot he kicked the bear right on the nose this brought things to a standstill ed hitched along a little higher up and as the leaning trunk of the tree was already bending under his own and the bear's weight the infuriated brute did not seem disposed to go further besides as he had been mortally wounded he was probably growing too weak to do much now my brother got to the bottom of the canyon and brought ed's gun to where i stood but as we had no powder or bullets and as ed could not get them to us even if he would have been willing to risk our shooting at the bear it was hard to decide what to do it was already dusk and we could not stay there all night boys shouted ed at last as he steadied himself 
in the forks of a leaning and overhanging bough. I'm going to come down on my laz rope. There, take that end of it, tie your laz ropes to it, and scramble up the hill. We obeyed him to the letter, and as we did so, he fastened his lasso firmly to the leaning bough and descended like a spider to where we had stood a moment before. We all scrambled up out of the canyon together and as quickly as possible. When we went back next day to get our ropes, we found the bear dead near the root of the old mossy maple. The skin was a splendid one, and Ed insisted that my brother and I should have it, and we gladly accepted it. My brother, who was older and wiser than I, said that he made us take the skin so that we would not be disposed to tell how he had treed a bear. But I trust not, for he was a very generous-hearted fellow. Anyhow, we never told the story while he lived. End of section 5